You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What is that non fungible token? What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And for those that were wondering, like, what are the, what is the makeup of teams and how do they do revenue sharing and, and how do the different things impact floor price and how projects are built or uh, how we have to think about projects? And, you know, this episode, you know, it might be, you know, uh, you know, originally those might, that are listening might feel like it's an episode tailored towards more that people that are going to create their own NFT project. But I can't stress this enough. Even if you have no desire to create your own uh, NFT project at the moment, remember, I preach you should be a collector before you are a creator. You must be a collector before you are a creator. But even if you don't have any desire to be uh, a creator at any at anytime soon, understanding the nuances of what how people build projects allow you to be a better investor, a better collector, and think about all of these things when they factor in your decisions on like how much you can trust them, how much, where's the business built, how is the business configured. Uh, before we get that, we have to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Crypto Business Conference. Anyone that wants to level up and connect with small business owners, entrepreneurs, creators, talking all things Web3 from blockchain to metaverse to creator coins to, to NFTs and, of course, crypto, check out that conference. I will give you a little more information uh, at the end. Also wanted to give uh, you know definitely a little uh, shout out or um, love uh, to our you know to the uh, amazing projects that we've uh, you know we've minted over uh, you know recently, which I think is actually part of the part of the fun uh, of this whole uh, space is kind of figuring out how all those things kind of work together and and how people um, you know make this all work. And one of the projects that you know we were you know we minted for uh, you know today's collection or for the collection you know our current collection is we actually minted the uh, it's the Bear Tings Bear Tings uh, and the reason I wanted to highlight this project um, you know maybe compared to uh, you know other projects that we might uh, you know have highlighted is that you know the the free mint thing I, I will just tell you like the free mint concept from a like. Free mints for just trying to buy and flip and get lucky and hit the lottery for the next Goblin Town. That's that's all. That's an easy game. You just pay gas. You put them in your wallet. You close your eyes. You hope you get lucky. But free mints, if you're trying to get into a project and believe it's going to be around for November and still going to be valuable, that's not as easy. That's why I've made it very clear that for me, buying an NFT every day, every single day for you know this collection has been harder than it was, you know, earlier in the market, right? Because if it's free, now I have to really do my research on like, why is it free? How are they going to have enough money to actually deliver on what they're, they're saying, right? Projects that, that aren't, you know, kind of factoring that in, right? And I really, I will, you know, I, it behooves, I, I'm going to use that word, behooves, uh, you know, every NFT project founder. The place you need to start is actually reverse engineering from the budget of what it's going to take to execute 
especially that early utility, and then works back from there. Just saying like, oh, the trend right now is a free mint. We're going to do a free mint. Well, if you were planning on having a budget and having um, initial sales coming in, and now you're not, well, that's going to change the people you can hire. It's going to change the people, the projects and the, and the utility that you can provide. So I can tell you, uh, as much as there have been a lot of you know, free projects that have been going on, we actually haven't minted many free ones for the collection just because they're really hard to predict. But I, I do like ones that are kind of like art-focused. Um, they know what they are. Um, they also know what they are not. Um, and so this bear tings, like instead of bear things, it's bear tings, um, is one that, you know, it said, you know, it's just great art, um, no roadmap. There's 5,000 of them. But the story they were telling through their Twitter and the engagement and their community and the creativity with their art, to me, stood out. So we added them uh, to our collection. They were actually uh, 8-11. So August 11th, they are the ones that are in our collection um, from that standpoint. So now we're going to get into, you know, the, the configuration of teams and projects. Now, I, I've said this a lot, and, I, and I, I believe it's, you know, one of the, the nuances of the complexity of Web3 and NFTs especially, is this is the most diverse, a project to be successful requires the my, most diverse makeup of a startup that I've ever seen. And what I mean by that is it doesn't really matter what your utility is. You're going to need an artist you're going to need a developer. You're going to need a community manager or a social media manager, probably both of them. You need to be, of course, of your project lead. You're going to need all of these different kind of um, components. You might need uh, someone from the, the financial or the blockchain side of the house. You might, might need someone on the web design side of the house. You also, in many cases, um, are going to bring on like an advisor or bring on um, some people that are going to you know, kind of provide that extra um, value. You're going to need Discord moderators. And so the complexity in that is because all of these different backgrounds, all of these different people, they're not used to working with each other. They're also not used to working in the same freelance uh, scenario. So before I share some of the things that I've, uh, you know, I've talked to some other founders, including how we've been uh, you know, researching and kind of figuring out contracts and, and how people do percentages, like do they give people percentage of secondary sales and mint price? We're going to talk a little bit about that. But before I get to that, we just have to recognize not only is, are no two projects the same, but I will also tell you that the other component of this space is that if the freelancers you know, want to be paid differently, you're going to have to adapt for that, right? Not everyone's going to want to take cryptocurrency or NFTs as payment. Not everyone um, is going to want to you know, believe in the project completely and be um, you know, get just a percentage, right? Some might want something up front. Some might want something after a certain amount of time or a certain uh, variable that you have. So I think it's really important for you to sit down with each member of your team and talk through this, right? Like, and it's the pros and cons, right? Like, hey, if you want this, then you're probably not going to get a higher, as high a percentage here. Or if you want that high percentage here, then I can't give you anything up front. And I might only give you a percentage of the mint, not a percentage of, of, of secondary sales. Now, this also kind of factors into free mints, which is why it kind of worked perfectly. We talked about Bear Ting's um, project, right? Because giving someone a percentage of the mint, if the mint is free, um, even in Web3, like this is breaking news, even in Web3, um, 5% of zero is still zero. 3% of zero is still zero. So with that being in mind, 
if you originally were thinking that you were not going to be a free, free mint and now you've switched to a free mint, you need to go back and switch your compensation and your, your, your plans with your team members, right? And that's an, that's an important component of this, right? But you also don't want to just jump the shark and say, well, we were going to give you 3% of the mint, but now the mint is going to be free, so we'll just give you 3% of secondary sales. Because remember, if it's 3% of secondary sales, that can go on for forever, right? It's baked, it can be baked into the contract, and it can be the lifetime of the contract. So you might want to say, you know, the first six months of secondary sales, or maybe secondary sales up to a certain volume traded, right? What, you can kind of build in some of those, those variables, the other thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to want people to believe and be part of the, you know, of the project. And so, you know, I, I, I talked to one founder and they were like, you know, one of the things that they struggled with was that they wanted to give their team members NFTs as, you know, here's 10 NFTs if you are advising us, you know, pre-mint before we launch. The problem with that is there was a lot of backlash about how projects um, were giving out NFTs to their friends their family, and their team members. But here's where the backlash was, and this is important. The backlash wasn't in that you're paying your team and taking care of your team. It's that you weren't owning it and you weren't doing it on the blockchain. And in many cases, including a couple of projects that I love, all of a sudden, their friends and those that they follow on Instagram are the only people who got the one-of-one one NFTs. Hmm... So I don't have a problem with allocating NFTs to friends and families and team members. Make that clear up front, right? There's, it is a 5,000-piece collection. We are saving 500 of them to divvy out to our, our team. We're going to give them to here, here, and here. And then you also want to just be very clear on, are you going to divvy them out pre-reveal, post-reveal? How are you going to allocate that? How are you going to let people know? But I actually think it was, it was one of those, it's one of those things that people assume that people are mad because of like, you know, they're, they're, they're giving, you know, NFTs to their team members. No, that's, that's not the case. The case is that they're, when you're not owning the things that you're doing or when you're giving special privileges or when you tell people, if you buy one of these 5,000 NFTs, you have a one in 5,000 chance of getting a one of one, but then you give all of the one of ones to your best friends and, and the people on the team you just literally manipulated and lied to us. That's what we don't like. And so when you think about that with growing your team, you have to think about, okay, what, how am I going to set up you know, the, the, the contract? How am I going to set up the relationship um, pre-mint, pre you know, during the mint, during secondary? And then how am I going to allow that to grow? Now, I will tell you, you know, transparently, uh, you know, I'm joining a couple of projects um, as advisors. Uh, I had a, a slew of projects that had came to us for me to advise just based on you know, my experience buying an NFT every day, being you know, all in and, and hyperactive in this space. Um, and at first, you know, I narrowed it down to a couple. Um, and then I just felt, felt like those couple weren't um, the right projects for me to team up with. So I, I kind of took a step back and I was really evaluating, like, what is the value that I can provide? What is the value that they're looking for? And then how do I want to divvy that up with my time and my focus? And then the, the bigger part of this is how committed am I that that project is deserving enough of my brand? And that's not saying that from a clout perspective or an ego perspective. It's actually saying it from a perspective of, like, I don't believe any one project, any one person, any one team 
is worth jeopardizing the trust I have with my community and my audience. Like I've never taken money or a free NFT to include an NFT in our project. I've never, you know, you know, endorsed or gave a shout out to an NFT project. If I, and I ha, if I had a relationship with them, I'm very, you know, I own that relationship, right? I talk about, you know, my relationship with meta athletes and how, uh, how that worked. Um, my connection with, uh, meta whips, I've bought all 15 meta whips, um, that I currently own. I did, I paid full price for every one of those. And there was like an assumption because, you know, I had them on the podcast and I talk about their project a lot that there might be more than that. But for me, I own, I, I will own all of that. And, but with that being said, when these projects were coming to me, one of the things that I really, I really just tried to own and dial in on was the idea of like, okay, how long is this relationship going to be? How long am I going to be able to provide them value, right? Because this is the other component you have to think about, right? These, these people that we're working with or are building an NFT project around, we have to, we have to realize or recognize that not everyone is going to be needed for the entire life of the project. We also have to recognize that some people don't want to be involved for the life of the project. I know a couple artists that I talked to just recently, and I said, you know, what are you looking for if I brought you on as an artist? And both of them, the first two I talked to, you know, the first two I talked to of three that I talked to the other day, they both said, I don't want percentage of mint. I don't want percentage uh, of secondary. I just want to get paid up front because they didn't want to have an obligation or be tied to the project being successful, hey, which I respect and understand. Now, you know, some people are going to miss out on money, right? If they, if they are aligning with the right people, giving up that percentage on the back end can be a dangerous uh, piece, right? Like that can be a, you know, I heard Russell Crowe um, recently, Russell Crowe was interviewed, uh, I can't remember, it was on a podcast, I believe, and uh, I guess he, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, was a movie that he had turned down. And he turned it down, but they were giving him like 10% of the total gross revenue of that movie. And he turned it down. He didn't think it was a good fit. He didn't think it was going to work. Um, they, it, it determined now the total gross sum of that Lord of the Rings movie would have, would have inked Russell Crowe $100 million. $100 million is what he would have made if he would have accepted that role in The Lord of the Rings, which he turned down because it was a tied to a percentage of gross revenue over the long term. And so these are things that are going to factor in. The other component of this for me, and this is something that, you know, as I talk to other founders, they're like, ooh, I should have thought of that ahead of time, was like having skin in the game. And what I mean by skin in the game, right? Having something to lose, but also having something to benefit also connects people and adds that layer of authenticity, right? If you're just giving someone, um, you know, you're just giving someone some money up front, their like dedication and belief as the project grows and even becomes successful might not be there. And in some cases, they might actually become bitter because they didn't buy in, but they were part of the project. And so one of the things that I like to think about is you, you can really, you can bake things in to the actual smart contract. Now, we have to be very careful on how we make that happen. Um, you know, I'm very pro multi-sig wallets for uh, any NFT project, right? So if you get three signatures for a wallet and you have to have two for any any um, any for that wallet to make any transactions, um, that's a good kind of like bare minimum setup for a wallet. But what you can do is that in the contract you can set up the royalties baked in, right? So you can say. 
3% goes to um, our developer, 2% goes to um, our, you know, our marketing manager, you know, 4% goes to our artist, 2% goes to the, the project founder, that's the 10% of royalties, you can have it automatically distributed um, to those wallets within the contract. Now, a lot of contracts actually build in um, the ability to kind of change those wallets or change some of the setup. But you can also do it to where, you know, everything goes to one wallet. That is a multi-sig wallet. But then you, you identify in a contract, in, a, in an actual contract, not a smart contract on the blockchain, when the pools are going to happen, how much each person's going to get. And so I'm just going to share some of the, the things that I, like the ways that I've heard, um, you know, different, these different scenarios kind of coming into play, right? So if you're someone that you're like, hey, I'm not funded, I'm, I'm bootstrapping this project um, myself, and I don't have money to pay out up front. Well, if that's the case, we have to recognize that you're going you're gonna to need to pay higher percentages of people during the mint and during the, you know, the uh, secondary, and more so during the, the mint. Because you want to make sure that they see that value, you know, and they're not waiting, you know, like there's nothing worse. Like anyone that's been an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur and working with some of these big brands, when, when they tell me that it's, it's net 60 um, after final deliverable, which means they're not going to pay me till 60 days after I make the final deliverable, yet I have to cover all those costs and all those things ahead of time. It's a nightmare, right? And so you don't want to have that relationship with your dev or your artist or your marketing team or your other co-founders. And so you want to work through that, right? Now, what you can do, as I said before, is that you can even think about things like, hey, when we hit our first 1,000 mints, we're going to take from the community wallet, from that main wallet, and we're going to give you 3% of the first 1,000 mints, and then we're going to give you 1.5% of the rest of the mints, uh, you know, a percentage of the mints. Now, depending on what the mint price is, depending on how you have that set up, has to be factored in there, Right. Um, it also depends on the blockchain, right? Because certain blockchains uh, are going to allow you to bake that in to the smart contract, but not all blockchains allow smart contracts like Solana. So then it's probably baked in more of like the wallet or if like you're using Magic Eden and their launch pad, um, you can kind of uh, connect that in there. Now, you know, your contractual relationship with uh, the freelancers and those you're working with you probably need to consult, you know, your uh, accountant, your lawyer um, on that, you know, on those relationships to make sure that you're that you're protecting yourself, but you're also protecting them. Now, for artists, I, not only do we need to make sure that we value artists, but I'm a big fan of artists having a percentage in the project for the life of the project, right? Because I preach a lot about how do we remove the starving from the the starving artist. Well, we allow them to get paid in perpetuity. Yeah, I said that word correct. Perpetuity. Um, and we let them to get rewarded over time. Now, let's say they don't want to be heavily involved in the project. Well, maybe still give them a half of a percentage um, as the artists for the life of the project. Because what if you want to come back to them and you want to bring them back in the project? Well, if they ejected six months ago and they haven't really seen any return the whole time, they don't even know how the project's going the likelihood of bringing them back in is probably very slim. But if they know that every 30 days their wallet is being hit with five, you know, 0.5% of secondary sales, ooh, they're like, hey, I'm, I'm getting this like passive income. You value me as an artist. And if you're building something that is that long-term play, I think that's an important component. 
I will also caveat this. Not only is this not financial advice, but I, I recommend everybody get comfortable in their own way of doing these things. For me, like, it is one of the toughest things for me to ask for help. It's also one of the, like, my, like, biggest beliefs is to take care of people that have taken care of me, that have been there early with me, that are, that are part of, of my team. And that, like, loyalty and that trust and that I, I, I would rather give up a higher percentage of mine that they're not even asking for than for me to feel like I, I jaded somebody on my way to success, right? And that's a lot of this we is greater than me model. The other thing that you can do, and I think this is one that I, I mentioned this to a couple of the founders that I reached out and talked to, is that you can also put certain timetables, and on that timetable, you will re-examine the percentages, and what you can do is you can put in there like a range, right? So you can say, you know, when we, uh, you know, 30 days after we mint out, we're gonna, we can sit down and we can look at secondary sales and as a group decide, should we increase or maybe lower that percentage based on what we thought were going to be um, the, the metrics for that project? The other part of this is that there are some cases where you don't even need people involved until after you've minted out or maybe you're going to hire them afterwards. I do believe buying NFTs off of the floor and doing it openly and transparently to send it to reward people can be a, a massive benefit and can be a, a, a massive kind of flip on the backside, right? Like Goblin Town was a free mint, but Goblin Town on their website said, we are holding a thousand of these for our team and we are, making, we are not going to take them out of our team wallet until I think they said until six months or maybe it was a year. And then they said, you know, we are going to divvy this up amongst our team at that point, um, and we will be open. You know, we will tell you what wallets are getting what and how that um, that distribution is going to happen. For them, they had a free mint, but how are you going to pay for your team? How are you going to build that? You know, that piece of it. They did that by holding that a thousand. Now, taking zero royalty or zero creator fees to me is a great way of not building a project that's going to last. Like if you go and ask a lot of people that had NFT projects that they gave up on or they quit or the projects didn't go the way that they thought they were, what people based their, their agreements on were, okay, well, if we, if we are averaging, you know, let's just say 10 ETH uh, of trade volume a, a week on secondary sales, we, we don't need that much to operate. So we will, we will take 3% and we'll give everybody else 3%. Well, the problem becomes, what if you go into a bear market and you have no volume of trades for a month? How do you keep the lights on? How do you pay the bills? Well, hopefully, you're forecasting for that. Hopefully, you're building in some safety metrics, right, where you're pulling aside. Uh, I would call it the, the bear wallet, right? Like, take 1% or even a half of a percent and have it automatically sent to a bear wallet, the bear wallet can be multi-sig. It's not connected to the other wallet. And you can tell people, that is like our rainy day fund. That is our fund when we, when we go, oh shit, we didn't prepare ourselves for that. Or we didn't realize that we'd have to get into a legal battle around our IP. Or we didn't realize that the SEC is, gonna, is going to ask us to file documents and we're going to have to be able to fund that. We have to treat these like businesses, but because we have the blockchain at our disposal, we can get really creative with the different um, ways that we bring on people, the way that we build those contracts and, and uh, you know, share that, the, the funds. Now, 
The other part of this is that I do believe you don't have to tell people exactly who is getting what, but I do believe breaking down the percentages and even some of the agreements. Like I will tell you, like one of the things that I I would like to see um, be more transparent with NFT projects when they launch, and we're going to do this with our project, is that I want you to put in there like on the website, like we have an agreement with our artists for a, a one-year agreement. We have uh, our lead dev is on a, a one-year agreement. Um, they also have agreed, uh, you know, for the NFTs that they hold, um, that they will not um, sell them in the first six months. Um, they have to let, you know, or even like something like, uh, you know, one of the ones that I, I actually like this suggestion from someone that I talked to, they were like, you know, we're going to allow our team uh, to buy NFTs but we are going to uh, make it part of the, the you know, employment agreement that they have to give us uh, a, you know, a three-day notice before they plan on selling one of those NFTs. Now, you might be like, why is that? Well, part of that might be that you, you want to prepare your community for the fact they might all of a sudden see people on the team that are bailing out of your NFT project. I mean, we just saw that. We saw that on a couple projects recently where right after Mint, the co-founder left. And the co-founder was rewarded in NFTs, and they just dumped their NFTs on the floor to get their money and jump ship. We saw in another case where they weren't rewarded in NFTs, they were rewarded in, in a percentage of the mint, and they immediately withdrew that, that percentage of the mint to their personal wallet when they left the project. But funny enough, people went crazy about that, right, because no one really owned it. But what did they do when they got to their new fund? They bought 40 of them. They bought 40 of, of that original NFT because they still are invested. They're just not on the team anymore and they're not part of that percentage. The other thing that we have to factor in is that there are ways that we can think about like, okay, we're going to take this percentage to our team wallet. But we also know that we're probably going to have to add a Discord mod every time we increase our team by our, our, our number of people that are active in our Discord. Um, you know, every 5,000 people we grow in the Discord, we're going to need our Discord admin. And for our Discord admins, maybe we are giving them, you know, for the months that they are moderators, maybe we're giving them, you know, point, uh, you know, 5%, uh, you know, point, you know, yeah, like a half of 1% of secondary sales for that mint or for that, that month. Maybe what we're giving them is we're selling, we're saying, hey, we're going to give you from our percentage, we're going to give you a percentage of the total trade volume uh, of the project, right? Or maybe we're going to give you a percentage of, you know, how many people or what is the average floor price of those that are, put, are locking their NFTs in the staking mechanism, right? Because then it's incentivizing. This is the part I really wanted to, to really share is like, the beauty of doing this with the blockchain and getting creative with your freelancers is that you can be transparent, which then allows freedom for both you and that freelancer, as scary as that might be. But you can also be creative in how you're funding things and you can incentivize people. You can also de-incentivize people based on the way that you're doing this. The other thing you want to factor in as far as like, you know, having a lawyer on, um, on staff or on call, you know, if you are, if you are doing anything with tokenomics, if you are doing things with staking, if you are doing things with royalties, uh, and if you're doing things where you're doing like a buyback or you're doing um, some kind of burn mechanism, 
you need to definitely, um, you know, talk to a lawyer, bring in a lawyer um, in on those conversations. Those conversations are important. Um, I have a, a great, there's a couple of great lawyers that um, I know. Um, there's a couple of great accountants. We had a couple on our podcast early on in the season um, as well. And then the last thing I'll just share on, you know, building out your team and how do you fund it and how do you kind of think about all of these things. You know, finding the right people, the people that believe in your mission, it's no different than finding the right people to be the owner of the NFT, right? Like people that, I, I mean, it's a soapbox, but most people are saying, I want a market to sell out my NFT project. The problem is people help them sell out the NFT project and then they're saying, why does everybody flip out and our floor prices, you know, below our mint? Well, you didn't say to find people that value our utility and are going to be in it for the long run because we have shared purpose and passion. You just ask those marketers or influencers or advisors to accomplish that goal of minting out. That's why I don't think minting out should be the play. And if, and if a project's goal is, is only to mint out and they, they want to do it immediately, I'm not the right advisor for them to bring on. And, and the projects that I work with know that. Now, if we mint out in the way that I believe we should do it, that's an awesome byproduct. But like the goal for me is getting the right people that value the right utility and understand the timeline and that, that you are actually on as an NFT project. That's the same thing for the team. And so maybe with your team, you can factor in things like, you know, like how am I, if this person really values and believes what I'm in, and, I, and I'll say this, you know, with me, you know, one of the projects that I'm an advisor on, um, I asked for, you know, way less upfront and more on secondary sales. And they were like, we expected it the other way. I was like, I believe in what you're doing. I believe this is going to be around for a long time. And I believe our, you know, our relationship is going to be there for a long time. Another contract, I said, you know what? I want to go all in with you today but I'm going to need something up front. But I also want to have something on the back end because I believe in the project. I want to hold it. Well, for that, I need to, I need to add to my delivery. Right. And so that's a great piece on that side. The last thing I will share is this is for the freelancer. So I, I was talking mostly from the NFT projects people. I'm going to go back to the freelancers right now. One of the things that I've struggled with most of my career was selling myself. Now, let's be truth. Let's be very careful on that. I know that what I do on stages, I know for sponsors that I have on podcasts, I know for the influencer brands that I work with, you know, which has been eight years of you know, six figures a year worth of influencer content work, I know I over-deliver. I know that what my value is there. But oftentimes, making the ask for that amount was something that I struggled with. Right? Because as a keynote speaker, I'm like, hey, you, know, you have to pay me 12 pineapples. Right? Let's just throw pineapples out there because I don't really care about the price part. Um, you have to pay me 12 pineapples. And the, the person might be like, well, where did that 12 pineapples come from? And you're like, well, I used to get paid 10 pineapples and I was getting booked out. So I decided I could move my fee up because now I want to be more selective, right? whatever that may be. But what I found that made it easier for me, and this would be my recommendation for anyone that's out there that, that's struggling with this as well, is first off, I read a book, um, and, and I actually read this book. Uh, it's called Know Exactly What to Say. The author is Phil Jones. It's a quick read, but it is a great book on sales wording, sales structure, sales strategy. So definitely, it's Phil M. Jones. I'll, I'll include a link here uh, in the show notes. He's a, a, a dear friend of mine, amazing speaker as well. But that book helped me out a lot as well. But what I actually figured out was, 
if I want to ask for 12 pineapples, I'm going to include two or three things that are above what most people deliver. And you might be like, Brian, why would you do that? Well, because for me, I had more confidence in asking for my 12 pineapples because I knew those other components they would value. And what that allowed me to do is like, yeah, you pay me 12 pineapples, the keynote. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live tweet before the event. I'm going to do a video when I arrive. I'm going to do a video after the event. And I'm going to give you all of that raw footage. They are like, oh, but here's the, here's the part that matters for this conversation. What I would say, though, is if you want to pay me 11 pineapples, none of that extra stuff is included. So if you see what I did there, right? Because this is a mistake that I see freelancers making. Freelancers say, I'm going to do these five things and I want this percentage. What happens is the project founder wants to negotiate down on the percentage. Guess what the artist does or the creator doesn't do? They don't start removing some of the deliverables and the requirements. And then what happens is they get in the contract, they feel overworked, undervalued, underpaid, and they're pissed off that they got into this agreement um, in the first place, which is not beneficial for either side. So the way that I like to present it is, and it's kind of, it's definitely a negotiating tactic. Um, and if you, you know, there's a couple of really great book, uh, great books on uh, negotiating uh, tactics. I think uh, Split the Difference is, is a great one. But one of the ones, like for me, one of the things that I often will do is I will, I will say like, hey, if, I w- if you want me to come on this project, here are my things. I want this percentage. I want this amount up front. Um, I'm willing to do these things. But just know if any of these things up top change, everything down below changes as well. And so what that allows us to do is negotiate on both sides, right? Because if someone says, Brian, I don't want to give you 5%, I'm like, okay, let's talk about 3%. But if you're talking about 3%, you're not getting a one-hour phone call with me every single week, and you're not getting me to co-host a Twitter space with you twice a month, and you're not getting me to be on your investor calls and, you know, and all these other you know, components, But if you want all of those things, okay, maybe it's because you don't want to give me 5% of secondary. Well, what about if you give me a higher percentage of the mint, right? So give me 5% of the mint and then 3% of secondary, right? Because I I believe we're going to mint out and I believe that'll be valuable. Well, now we're getting creative on the way that those things are kind of uh, divvied up. The last part of it is you like own your value, know your worth, But remember, I said the word value as well, because, and I preach this a lot, I will not speak at an event for free, but there are certain scenarios that I will speak at an event for no fee. You see what I said there, right? I don't speak for free, but there are certain events that I will speak for no fee. What does that mean? Well, I have a little chart um, on, it's in in a, uh, uh, Google Sheet, and it started off with nine um, things that I considered value. Um, it moved to 12, and then recently it moved back down to eight. But in that list of eight, I have eight different things that a brand or an event or an association could provide me that is of value. Now, they're each weighted. And I will tell you, exposure as like a, a, a general variable is not one of them, right? Now, access to an audience or alignment where I, I share the stage, let's say with Michelle Obama, or I get to do a fireside chat with uh, Peyton Manning, for, for example, right? Well, those things are things I value, right? Because it's, it's content I can create. It's things I can share. You know, 
maybe I get an HD video. Maybe they're going to do, they're going to have a video person follow me from the minute I land to the minute I fly out and I'm going to get the raw footage, right? Well, I'm going to value that. Therefore, I could probably, I would be willing to take less money as my fee if you're going to give me those, those things that I value at that percentage. Now, the, the, the part that is so important on this is you want to be very honest and open of that, right? And I know the old school way of sales and the old school way of doing this for a lot of people were like, no, people talk. And if you offer, if you speak at one event or let's say you as an artist, right? If you told one founder as an artist, you want 3% of mint and 3% of secondary. And that's high. I'm just throwing numbers out there. And you did that project. And then you come to another founder and you tell them, that, uh, well, you'll just take 7% up front and 1% on the back end. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a chance they might find out how much you took on from the other project, right? But as long as you have reasons, right? Like you have, like maybe your calendar has been booked up now. Maybe you realize the last contract you did didn't value, didn't give you enough freedom with your time to deliver um, at the scale that you wanted to deliver. So it's very important that, and, and this is like one of my things I like to do. I like to include, like, I like to include an over-deliver for the fee that I demand. But if not everyone can pay that fee and maybe they can't find that exact fee, well, maybe they can find a sponsor. I will tell you, like, for a couple of these events that have come to me, they're like, Brian, I don't have money to pay you. I don't have money to pay you to speak at the event. I'm like, you have sponsors? Do your sponsors do Twitter spaces? Do your sponsors have a booth where they would like somebody to be at their booth and maybe do a live podcast recording at their booth? And they're, and they're like, yeah, we do. As an event organizer, these sponsor would love that. Well, tell that sponsor that you want to have me as a speaker and I charge 15 pineapples and ask them if they will cover part of that 15 pineapple fee so that I can come speak at the event. Because then you get me on stage, you let your sponsor pay for it, and you provide extra value to your sponsor. Win, 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 right? And so the creativity that we can build into NFT projects with how we fund them, how we share uh, you know, uh, revenue splits with them, how we do creator you know, royalties with them, even how we build out like certain um, incentives and best practices can be really creative. But we have to make sure that the people value that, that we're working with, and then we're also not only prepared to deliver on it, but we also have the protection in there. So in some cases, you're going to want it on the blockchain. In other cases, you might not want it baked into your contract or on the blockchain. And so for me, this is a very, you know, no two NFT projects are the same. If you're an NFT project where it's just a PFP project and you have a video game, your, your design of how you bring on your team and how you pay them will be way different than if you're a brand and you're bringing on people, and you're doing it for long-term brand affinity. Or maybe you're a restaurant um, in, uh, let's just say, uh, down in, the, in maybe the Caribbean or Mexico. I see one of our, our past guests, uh, Lauren Turton, just jumped into the, the live feed, so shout out to Lauren. Uh, and what she was doing, even with uh, her business and brand uh, in San Diego, if you design your project for like your physical brick-and-mortar store or restaurant, you're going to design your smart contract differently. You're going to design your percentages differently because last time I checked, you still have to run a business, right? So if you're taking time away from running the business, you have to make sure you're covered there as well. And lastly, I'll just say, please, please think about that forecast and over, over click on the forecast, right? It's not only a rainy day fund, but I really hope 
that more projects create a bear wallet, right? A bear wallet where you just drop 1% into that bear wallet forever, right? And maybe you say at the end of a year, if we haven't needed, <coughs> if we haven't needed the tap in to our bear wallet, we will split that bear wallet with everybody on the team, 50% of it, right? So what you're thinking about that is because the pro- there's projects right now, great people, great team, great utility, great community, piss poor planning, right? Because piss poor planning leads to piss poor results. Piss poor planning for forecasting having enough budget to execute not only when times are good, but also when times are bad. And of course, project founders, let's stop with the when Lambo. Let's make sure you're taking care of your team. You're building out that, that, that process and plan. And you, you think about this as, at a scale up, not just going buying a Lambo, going on vacations and, and blowing you know, your entire wad there up, up front. As we, as we usually do, uh, you know, a great event to check out that, you know, hey, and this is a great example, right? For this event, we teamed up um, with this event as a media partner, um, and they're sponsoring this podcast. And in return, we're doing some things. I'm speaking at that event. We have a, we have a great relationship where they've provided my value, right? I mentioned that, that chart. Well, they, hey, they're sponsoring and they're, they're giving me this value. For me, that equals what I can deliver with a podcast is also what I can deliver at their in-person event. And so that's a great example of how we can get creative with how we fund, how we partner, and how we really build out a lot of this magic. And so, yeah, definitely check out socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT365. Crypto Business Conference is the name of the event. Looking forward to hopefully meeting a lot of you listeners there in San Diego in October. As I leave you, I will just say, you know, if you're listening to this podcast three months from now, there's probably been an updated version of this pod, of this episode. Because the reason I've waited, you know, until day 276 in a row of this podcast to talk about this is because it's always changing the ways that we can do it, how we do it, who we do it, what is the, the best practices, right? You might have an artist come into you and say, I've been getting 3% on every contract. Well, the market's changed or I'm different. And so just be very aware, aware of, of the market, of, of the trends. And the thing I love about this Web3 space is we are in it to collaborate and in it to win it together. I reached out to some founders and said, hey, I won't mention the name of your project, but could you tell me how your percentages are, are divvied up? I asked four people originally. All four said yes and owned it because they were like, Brian, I'd love to hear what others share. So this is how we did it, but we don't know if it's the 100% right way, but it's the, how we, the way that we did it. So get creative, reach out, connect, collaborate, because remember, we is greater than me. And truly, the only way we will innovate, the only way we'll make the world a better place, the only way we will make magic happen If we share, we collaborate, and we do this uh, together. So until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, the show is not for